Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 456 for August 16th, 2015. This week, if you already have Windows 10 or expect to have the upgrade soon, you might find a dozen or so terrific tips and a dud or two useful. In short circuits, how to find out if your Android device is vulnerable to the stage fright bug, using a checksum to verify a file's integrity, and Google now wants the entire alphabet. In spare parts, only on the website, the history of photography in 12 short videos, Sony tries to capture the world's runners, changes in the healthcare industry lead to a high-tech scramble by pharmacies, and bringing technology to bear on fraudsters. Windows 10 will probably be installed on 100 million computers within the next few weeks. Microsoft expects adoption to hit 1 billion within three years as existing computers are updated and new computers with Windows 10 are bought. Maybe your computer is in that first 100 million. I've heard from several people who read the website or listen to the podcast that they have upgraded their systems, and for the most part, the upgrades seem to have gone very well. If you're in that group, or if you're wondering what you'll find out when you do upgrade, some tips, tricks, and tweaks might be useful. So here we go. I would put updating applications right at the top of the list. Several software publishers have made changes designed to make their applications fit better with Windows 10. Take Firefox as an example. Mozilla notes that its updates give Firefox a streamlined feel, they also point to bolder design elements and less Chrome so that users will have more space for viewing the web. If you upgrade to Windows 10 or buy a computer that already has it installed, your default browser will be Microsoft Edge. It's easy enough to restore Firefox or some other browser as your default, and I'll cover that item later when I describe how to select default applications. Mozilla has updated the process that controls add-ons. The add-ons add features to Firefox, but they also have been responsible for performance and security problems. Mozilla will now certify add-ons based on guidelines they've provided to add-on developers. Firefox will start displaying warnings next to unsigned add-ons in Firefox. In the next version of the browser, unsigned add-ons will be disabled by default, and you will not be able to restore them until the developer completes the Mozilla certification process. I've already seen this behavior in the beta version of Firefox. Next, I would suggest customizing the Start menu. It's back, and it's a hybrid of the old Windows 7 and the new Windows 8. Although I keep my most used applications on the taskbar and use Search to start other applications, the new design might just possibly convince me to give the Start menu another look. If you don't want to see any of the live tiles, just right-click on them and choose the Unpin option. You can pin your own frequently used applications as tiles, and of course the Most Used section is still present. 
then you might want to banish the search bar. You may have a search bar next to the start menu. Although this can be useful, I think it takes up way too much space. Search is launched automatically when you press the Windows key. That's the one with the little Windows logo on it. And just start typing. You really don't need a dedicated search bar. By the way, if you have an old keyboard, one that doesn't have a Windows key, Control-Escape performs the same function. To hide the search bar, just right-click anywhere in the taskbar, click Search, and then select Hide. While you're in the neighborhood, you may also want to eliminate the Task View icon in the taskbar, because there's a shortcut for that, too. Windows Key Tab. You may have noticed I'm in favor of not squandering valuable control surface real estate on icons that I really don't need. And if I can get to it from the keyboard, that's the way I'd prefer to get to it. Speaking of task view, both Apple and Linux systems have had virtual desktops for quite a while now, so Windows finally has them. You might put work-related applications such as Word, Excel, and a MySQL workbench on one virtual desktop, and then place, oh, say, Solitaire and Facebook on a second virtual desktop. I have created as many as six virtual desktops. Now, there's probably a limit, but I think I'll probably never exceed it. Two seems to be adequate. Think back to ancient history. Remember the DOS window? These days it's called the command window, but it still looks and acts a lot like DOS. Some tasks can be accomplished faster using the command line interface, and some utilities have no graphical user interface. New customizations are now possible, including making the background transparent, resizing the window, setting the typeface size, and at last, turning on the ability to copy and paste using standard keyboard shortcuts, Control-C and Control-V. You can also enable text selection using the arrow keys, much like a word processor application. To do this, just right-click on the command window's border and choose Properties. Transparency is controlled on the Colors pane, and text selection changes are on the Options pane. If you really want to feel like you're in control, turn on God Mode, or call it Developer Mode if you prefer, or Power Mode, no matter what you call it. This mode is hidden by default. Activating it doesn't add any new features, but it does place access to a bunch of utilities that developers and power users do need from time to time. All you have to do is create a new folder and give it a name. It can be your choice at the beginning of the name. It can be God Mode or Fred or Developer Mode, whatever. And then you follow it by a period and a globally unique identifier. I'm not going to try to read the Globally Unique Identifier on the podcast. You'll find it on the website, www.techbiter.com. And when you open this mode, you will find dozens of settings, all in one convenient location. Oh, and speaking of convenience, sometimes you may have a website open for reference while you're writing. You need to scroll the website so you hover the mouse over the browser and spin the control wheel on the mouse. The web page stays right where it is, and your document scrolls. Don't you hate that? The scroll function works only in the active window, so you have to click on it, then you can scroll. Then you have to click back in the window you're working on. Well, that's the default behavior in Windows 10, too, but you can change it. Open Settings, choose Devices, then select Mouse and Touchpad, and turn on Scroll in Active Windows when I hover over them. 
This is one of those features that you never really knew that you needed until you had the opportunity to try it, and then you wonder why somebody didn't invent it years ago. You also might want to consider tossing out the trash. Microsoft kept your old Windows 7 or Windows 8.1 files just in case you want to go back. They're in a directory called Windows.old. Once you've decided you won't be going back, you can get rid of the old files. By the way, this decision took me about 10 seconds on a tablet because it has a very small disk drive. The files are still on the desktop, and I plan to keep them for another week or two, even though I've already confirmed that everything is working exactly as expected. To get rid of the old files and also clean up other unnecessary files, open Search, just press the Windows key, and type the words Free Up Disk. You'll see Free Up Disk Space by deleting unnecessary files at or near the top of the list. Click that shortcut, and that'll open a Control Panel applet. If you have more than one disk drive, you'll need to select the primary hard drive and then select Clean Up System Files in the next window. Another dialog box will open with an option labeled Previous Windows Installations. Place a check mark in the appropriate box and then proceed. By the way, this cleanup location is a good place to visit every now and then because you can instruct the operating system to remove unnecessary files that do build up over time. Cortana. Have you enabled her? Whether you use Cortana or the keyboard, the Windows 10 search functions are very powerful. And if you have a microphone that Cortana can use, I encourage you to try the feature. Hey Cortana, find Word documents I created this month. We'll return, not too surprisingly, a list of Word documents that you created this month. But you can also tell Cortana to play music, check the arrival time of a flight, or find a location on a map. I mentioned earlier that your default browser is going to be Edge once you've updated to Windows 10. You can change that. The Windows 10 upgrade may have changed some of your other default applications, too. Image files will probably be associated with the Photos app. Your default browser will be Edge, and Mail will be set as the default email application. You don't want those? Fine, fix it. Although you can make changes for individual file types by right-clicking a file name, selecting Open With, and then clicking Choose Another App, it's faster to make all the changes at once. From Settings, or Search, type Default Programs, or you can navigate from the Control Panel to Programs, and then Default Programs. Click Set Your Default Programs, and you'll be presented with a list of installed applications. Could be a very long list if you have a lot of applications installed. For purposes of demonstration, I selected the VLC Media Player, and it was already set as the default application for 85 of the 117 file types that it can handle. At this point, you have two choices. Make the application the default for all file types it can handle, or select file types individually. If you choose that second option, you'll see a list of the file types that VLC can handle, the current default application for each file type, and a checkbox that you can use to assign that file type to VLC. If you have a lot of applications installed, this is probably a good thing to do on a rainy Saturday afternoon. Microsoft tries to make Windows 10 helpful. Windows 10 does an excellent job when it comes to attracting your attention when something noteworthy happens. Maybe too good. The Windows 10 Action Center, you can get to the Action Center with the Windows key and A, 
The Action Center displays any notifications you may have missed, and you can manage these notifications from the Settings panel. Start with Settings, navigate to System, and then Notifications and Actions. From there, you can determine which icons will be displayed in the Notification area. That's the section at the right side of the taskbar. You can also turn some system icons off if you don't want them. I have turned off the Action Center icon, for example, because there is a keyboard shortcut, and I don't need an icon taking up space. Next, you can decide whether Windows Tips, Application Notifications, Lock Screen Notification, Alarms, and Reminders are off or on. If you use the computer for presentations, there's even an option to hide all notifications while you're presenting. That's a clever idea. Apps that display notifications can be turned off or on, and when they're enabled, you can specify whether they show notifications or notification banners, both or neither, and you can enable or disable sounds. Now, I've decided to wait a few more days to decide which I want to eliminate. Malwarebytes, for example, displays a banner stating that it's protecting me every time I open a browser. That seems like a good one to eliminate. Customization is pretty impressive in Windows 10. Windows 10 brings finer control to the system's appearance, including the ability to change colors used on the taskbar, the start menu, and if you didn't hide it, the search bar. Start with Settings, navigate through Personalization to Colors. I discovered that I like the option to automatically pick a color from the background. That means that the accent color changes whenever the background image changes. You can also apply the accent color to the taskbar. If you want to explicitly select a color, just turn off the automatic function and you will be presented with a large group of colors. If you want to help somebody and show them how to do something, have you ever wished you could just send them a little video? Well, you can. Windows 10 includes the ability to create a screen video. Now, this isn't Camtasia, it's not even Snagit, but it might be enough if you just want to show somebody how to do something. Use the Windows 10 Game DVR function. Microsoft intended this for people to use to record game highlights for online games, but it's not really limited to games. It can record a video of any open app or desktop software. And note there was a distinction there. What you're recording must be an app, not the desktop, not some system-level function like the File Explorer. So, if you want to illustrate how to perform a task within a single application, the Game DVR is just what you need. If you want to show somebody how to open the Start menu and change a live tile, it's not going to work. So all you have to do is start the DVR with the Windows key and G. You'll be asked if you want to open the Game Bar. Say yes, even though you never play games, not even solitaire. And then you can click the record button to capture a video. The video will be saved in the game DVR section of the Xbox app, or it'll be saved in the video captures area under your user folder. Updates are probably going to be more frequent under Windows 10, and while the following two features aren't related, they do fit nicely together. You can obtain some system updates locally, and once updates have been applied, you can schedule a restart time. Peer-to-peer -peer technology comes to Windows updates. Instead of obtaining updates from Microsoft, you can obtain them from another computer on your local network or from other computers that you trust. You have to drill down pretty deeply in the control panel to find these settings. Start in the Update and Recovery section, 
choose Windows Update, then Advanced Options, and finally choose how you download updates. By default, Get Updates from More Than One Place is enabled, and it is configured to grab updates from PCs on both your local network and the Internet at large. You can change those settings if you want to. When updates require restarting the system, Windows 10 will let you schedule the time that the reboot will occur. To set this up, return to Windows Update, and if a pending update requires a restart, you'll see an option to select a restart time. If you continue to the Advanced Options, you can tell Windows to notify you whenever an update requires a reboot. Oh, so there you go. There's about a dozen useful Windows tips, tricks, and tweaks, and probably a couple of real losers. It's up to you to figure out which is which, though. Expect to see more as I become increasingly familiar with how the system works, and if you have any tweaks you'd like to share, or questions about how to do something, just let me know, and I'll add it to a future set of tips, tricks, and tweaks. In short circuits, have you heard of the stage fright bug? No, that's not the butterflies you get in your stomach when you have to stand in front of an audience and talk. In this case, it is a remotely exploitable software bug that affects just about every Android device on the planet. If you have an Android device with version 2.1 or lower of the operating system, you're safe. That's about 2% of the market. The stage fright bug allows an attacker to take over an Android device through remote code execution and privilege escalation. This is done by means of a rogue MMS message to the device. In most cases, no action is required by the user for the device to be infected. Stage fright is one of Android's core components that can be used to play multimedia files. Joshua Drake from Zimperium security firm discovered the bug he announced it near the end of July after reporting it to Google in April. April. Since then, Android device providers have been scrambling to fix the problem. So far, T-Mobile has made some progress but hasn't quite fixed everything. One might wonder why Google has been unable to figure out how to fix this since April. April! Maybe they were too busy with Alphabet? In July, a Moscow-based security researcher, Yevgeny Legarov, announced additional zero-day vulnerabilities in the StageFright library. You can download and run an app that checks your device's status. Some of the flaws have been patched on my smartphone, but it is still vulnerable to others. To install the test app, visit the Google Play Store, search for StageFright Detector, and then select the offering from Zimperium. After you install it and run it, you'll get a status report. But there's not much you can do about it if your device is still vulnerable. So until the manufacturer or cellular service provider patches your device, about all you can do is avoid using Google Hangouts. You might also want to disable automatic fetching of messages by your device's default SMS app.
When downloading a utility program or an open source application, perhaps you've noticed a checksum and wondered what that's all about and what it's good for. It's good for ensuring that the file you download is the one you really wanted. It's good for making sure that nobody has tampered with the file. Once a checksum has been calculated, any change in the file will be immediately apparent because it'll create a different checksum after being modified. Microsoft provides a checksum verifier, but it doesn't provide any support for it. It's really a simple command line utility that computes MD5 or SHA-1 cryptographic hashes for files. The File Checksum Integrity Verifier, or FCIV, will run on any version of Windows starting with version 2000. That means the utility is 11 years old. When you run it, by default, the command needs only a single argument, and that is the name of the file that you want the MD5 checksum for. So let's say you're on the Apache OpenOffice site, planning to download OpenOffice. Version 4.1.1 is current right now, and displaying the MD5 checksum by clicking the illustrated link opens a browser tab that displays the checksum. After downloading the OpenOffice file to the computer, verifying the checksum requires only that I navigate to the directory where I downloaded the file, and because I've added the directory where I extracted the file checksum integrity verifier to the system path, all I need to do is type the command name followed by the name of the file that I want to verify. The reported checksum agrees with the provided checksum, so the file is okay. You can think of the checksum as a fingerprint, or maybe a DNA test, for a file. As long as the checksums match, the file has not been altered. Checksum utilities exist for checking entire folders or even disk drives. These are useful if you want to periodically confirm that stored files haven't become corrupted as the disk drive inevitably degrades. But if all you're looking for is a simple one-off checksum for the occasional file you've downloaded, just obtain and install the Microsoft File Checksum Integrity Verifier. What a long name. For Microsoft's website, you'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. G. G is for Google. That's the headline that Larry Page used to announce Alphabet. Alphabet is the new company that will oversee Google. After 11 years of not being a conventional company, Google now becomes a large part of also a not conventional company. And so they say. Instead of a .com URL, the new Alphabet's URL is abc.xyz. Clever. Page will be the CEO of the new company, and co-founder Sergey Brin will be the president. Over the years, Page wrote, Google did many unlikely things, things that seemed crazy at the time. Many of those crazy things have now over a billion users, like Google Maps, YouTube, Chrome, and Android. He says they're trying to do things other people think are crazy, but that resonate with them. The problem was that Google had just become too large and diverse. 
Google will now concentrate on being a search engine and a provider of online advertising. Google's Life Sciences projects will be separate. These include projects such as one that's based on longevity and another with glucose-sensing contact lenses. The two founders will rigorously handle capital allocation and work to make sure each business is executing well, Page writes. In October of last year, Sundar Pachai took over product and engineering for Google and now becomes the new CEO of the slightly slimmed-down Google. Alphabet will include Google's X-Lab, which is responsible for working on drone-based delivery systems such as Wing, and the company's investment divisions, venture, and capital. Shareholders will receive one share of Alphabet stock for each share of Google that they own. So if you like long and boring but highly detailed accounts, you'll find the Securities and Exchange Commission's 8K form on the SEC website. There's a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Happy reading! You know, this change probably makes sense because Google really was just too big. The central part of the operation is still advertising-based, and management hasn't changed much. Alphabet will probably continue to invest in seemingly goofy projects, ones that may never be profitable, but the division seems logical from a management perspective. Being more focused on profitability will make Google more popular on Wall Street, which is all about profitability and cares nothing at all for seemingly goofy projects that may never be profitable. So maybe after 11 years of not being a conventional company, that's exactly what Google will become. And what has photography become? In spare parts, only on the website you'll find links to the history of photography in 12 short videos. Sony tries to capture the world's runners. Changes in the healthcare industry lead to a high-tech scramble by pharmacies and bringing technology to bear on fraudsters. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.